I've had the privilege of being in and around banking for more than 50 years. Lots of changes during that time. We've gone from ledgers to laptops, typewriters to technology. One thing, however, remains the same. Banking is a people business, and I'll be talking with those people that make banking great here on Jack Rats with Modern Bankers. Welcome to Jack Rants with Modern Bankers, brought to you by RELPRO and Vertical IQ. Each week I feature top voices in financial services, from bankers and consultants to best-selling authors and many more. The goal of this program is simple, to provide insights, success practices, and to bring new ideas to the table that you can use to maximize your results. My guest today is Pat True. Now, what a lot of people don't know about Pat is that he was a riverboat pilot in his younger days, and he's always had a passion to help small businesses. Pat earned a BBA from Belmont University and an MBA from Middle Tennessee State. His banking career started at Nations Bank, where he served in various positions, ending as a senior credit officer. The bulk of his financial services career was spent at Jack Henry, where he held various director positions. In 2022, Pat helped launch Lendovative, and my friend Martin Wise connected Pat and I last year, and I'm forever grateful. Lendovative's BB360 is absolutely awesome, and we'll be talking about that on my interview with Pat True on Jack Rants with Modern Bankers. Here we go. So as I mentioned, Martin Wise uh, from RELPRO, one of our great sponsors, uh, introduced me to Pat and Paul McCullough and their team at Lendovative. And, you know, I don't get terribly excited about a lot of things, but, you know, first of all, Martin referred me and anybody that Martin refers me to, I talk to uh, because he's a quality guy and he knows quality people. And then when I got to know Pat and Paul and uh, Lang and their team, and looked at the software that they've developed and the tools that they have, it was pretty exciting for me. And I started referring them all over the place and continue to do that. So I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on, uh, Pat, uh, this morning. And what I wanted to talk to you about to start with, as you know, uh, every time I start a program, I like to start with tell me something good. So tell me something good. We've got, there's always good stuff to sell, Jack. And uh, I guess the last really Two good pieces of news in my life have come from the great state of Pennsylvania, even though I'm down here in Tennessee. Our newest client is, is, from, is from Pennsylvania. And then uh, perhaps more importantly than that, I have a new daughter-in-law from Pennsylvania. So I just got back from a wedding, my oldest son's wedding. He's 29 now in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So I got to see the, the Hershey plans and all that while I was there. It was exciting and beautiful wedding. And so they're going to settle back here in Nashville, in the Nashville area, after their honeymoon. So uh, it's uh, it's been a great month. July was a wonderful month, and going into in the early August here. Wow. Well, congratulations to you. And uh, the the good news is you had a great day for a wedding, and the better news is they're moving back home, which is kind of nice. And when those grandchildren come, whenever that might be, uh, you'll be close by, and that's really really important. So exactly. that's, that's great news. Well, as I mentioned in the introduction, um, you've got a really interesting company. But more than that, uh, Pat, you've got a really interesting background. Give us a little sense of your background before we move forward. 
Sure. Well, I've, the last 28 years I've worked in financial technologies. And uh, of course, we started Lendivative in 2022. But prior to that, I had spent 27 years with Jack Henry. Uh, used to be Jack Henry and Associates, the core provider, and some of their predecessors. And throughout that entire time, I trained commercial lenders all over the U.S., worked with our lending solutions team, which was primarily commercial lending solutions, and uh, just had a wonderful time there during my career at Jack Henry. And uh, prior to that, I was a senior credit officer with, believe it or not, Nations Bank, right before they became Bank of America. I had gone through four mergers over 10 years and was a senior credit officer with them from the mid 80s to the mid 90s and really specialized in SBA finance and working capital finance. We did a lot of startup companies. We would do about 120 uh, startup loans with seven, eight programs every year. So it was pretty intensive in Tennessee and Kentucky both. So that's kind of my background. Well, one one of the nice things about uh, as you do business with banks and credit unions, you know the language, you know the drill, you know the pitfalls, uh, and that really helps. And and speaking of pitfalls, one of the challenges that that businesses have is kind of getting started. And you've always kind of had a passion for small business. What's what's how did that all start? How did you get interested in that niche? I'd say it's, you know, growing up, both of my grandfathers operated small businesses, a blueprint shop, a commercial fishing business in the Gulf Coast. So I had a fascination with small family-owned businesses. And when we moved to Nashville, I went to work for a family-owned riverboat company that operated tourist cruises on the Cumberland River right in Nashville. So I really got to know the inner workings of the accounting, the business side of that operation over the years. And later had an opportunity to be a part of junior achievement. So I would go into high schools and help these these high school students start little mini businesses. That was fascinating. But I think the heart of it is that I have kind of an engineering mindset. So I love to see ideas moved and, you know, created into, into actual things. So when I was a lender, my favorite thing to do was always to go call, cold call actually on businesses and find out what they did, how they made money, what was their model, what was their creative idea, and how they bring that all the way through the process of creation. It was just fascinating to me. And uh, you know, we all know small businesses are the backbone of the U.S. economy. You know, it's about half of our employee base. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the businesses in the U.S. are small businesses. And it's just, I've just always had an appreciation and a respect for the ability, for the, the willingness to go out and take that risk and create something new. That's exciting. And, and you know, you, you're a great case study for a lot of small businesses. You're, you're really similar to when I started St. Meyer and Hubbard. And as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I'm up here in Madison, Wisconsin, this couple of weeks doing graduate school of banking as we record. And I had a dinner last night with my, with my great friend, Amber Farley. And we talked to a lot of businesses And what's really interesting about small business, and I think really a benefit, is that there are different personality types in the business. If you've got three people that do nothing but sell, nothing's ever going to get done on the back end. And if you've got all back end people, you're never going to build a business. But so you have had a real opportunity with your engineering mind to pair up with a couple of folks who are very sales and marketing oriented, Lang Scott and Paul McCullough, which leads me to my question about your company. You mentioned that it started in 2022. Give us a sense of Lendovative, what you do, a little bit about your team and how this all got started. 
Sure. Well, I, you know, I've been, I've never really gone out and started my own small business as passionate as I am about it, but I had always supported businesses. And it was sometime early in 2022, I was having dinner with Paul McCullough, who he describes himself as a serial entrepreneur. He started over 15 companies since the early nineties and uh, had a lot of success. And I told him about a niche in the market that I felt existed, you know, which was basically the, the support for, for banks and some credit unions that want to do working capital lines of credit and the technology associated with that. And Paul encouraged me to kind of begin the design process to think about what that would look like. So he he kind of pushed me out of the nest, so to speak, and later ended up joining me mid middle of last year. So he's now CEO and I'm president. And, uh, you know, I, I would say the first piece after that was bringing in a longtime friend of both of ours who had worked with us in the 90s and early 2000s, Brian Hyatt, who was our, our, our CTO out of Dallas. He helped us put together kind of the technical infrastructure and the team that we would need to build the solution we wanted to build. And then, as you mentioned, Lang, a two-time Grammy winner, a very creative person, a musician, uh, is our director of client experience. And his entry into the company last summer was just amazing. He brought a whole new creative energy to the, you know, we were working on marketing material and things like that, along with the technology. And he was also able to give a, a nice outside view of the technology and the, the user interface. And then the most recent addition, which has really lit a fire under the company, is a gentleman named Barrington Allen. He's our, uh, Barrington Allen, he's our sales genius. He's uh, he's helping us now that we're now that we're launched, now that we're adding clients. He's really helping us get organized from a CRM standpoint and launch the real sales effort, I would say, in the last couple of months within Lundivative. So. Well, it's it's a great growth story, Pat. And uh, I want to really dive into Lendivative a little bit. But I noticed recently, and you, you do a, a really good job on, on LinkedIn. You're very present there. Uh, and you wrote a really interesting article about the growth of the small business niche in the 2020s. And I'm curious what you're seeing and why you're seeing this explosion of new businesses springing up. Sure. It, that was part of my role at Jack Henry was to do the same thing, to create content, to do a lot of market research. And we really noticed this, Jack. It didn't start with in 2020. It started way back in the 2008 financial crisis, because you had two very large groups of American citizens. You had the millennial group that was just coming of age and starting to enter the workforce, and you had the baby boomers. And two things happened. The millennial group started, it, it kind of had stops and starts because of all the financial crisis in 2007 through nine. A lot of them ended up going back to school, getting advanced degrees and things like that, kind of delayed entry into the workforce. The baby boomers, myself included, I'm in the last year of the baby boomers. And a lot of us saw our nest eggs kind of take a hit. So that delayed retirement, which for baby boomers, you know, it, it's a, the numbers are staggering. Both of those groups have about 81 million people in them. And the baby boomers were officially going to start retiring in 2011 to the tune of 12,000 a day up until 2029. There's, you know, it's amazing. That's a huge wave. And so that kind of got delayed. But then during the pandemic, as you know, we all saw what we called that, people call it the great resignation, whatever you want to call it. We saw that migration and all that kind of converged. And what the numbers that I'm seeing are staggering because I've been following new new applications for employer ID numbers, new, you know, basically people wanting to start a new business. 
And it's and it popped up right as the heart of PPP started. And I thought it was an anomaly, but it has sustained itself. So in 2021, there were 5.4 million applications in the US for new businesses. In 2022, there were 5.1. So far in 2023, it's continued. Now, not all of those are going to become businesses. We all know that, but even the most conservative numbers show that today we've got over 33 million businesses in the U.S., small businesses under 500 employees, compared to 2019, where there were just about 31 million. So even the most conservative has a little more than 2 million new entities in the past three years. And that's going to cause a tremendous amount of opportunity for community banks that want to get into, you know, small servicing small business relationships of all types. And, and credit unions too. And, and that does lead me to my next question, which is you mentioned these millions of opportunities with millions of employees and executives and wealth building opportunities and, and banks, community banks, credit unions, large banks, they have a tremendous opportunity to take advantage of this. What are some uh, best practices or some things you're seeing as you travel around the marketplace some really good things that banks or credit unions are doing to target these small businesses? I'd say that the, the thing that they're doing most involves education on two fronts, educating the business owners, because business owners are hungry for information about establishing themselves. You know, and you and I, I think, have talked about this in the past, but business owners, whether they know it or not, they've got an advisory team. It's typically their CPA, their attorney, their banker, their spouse, you know, not in that order of priority, um, but that that's, you know, they, and whether they formalize that or not, they, they, you know, they should throw the insurance person in there as well. They need that guide they're looking for that guidance. And if the banker can insert himself or herself in that mix and become, you know, bankers aren't going to advise businesses that they're not going to go that far, but they can be a sounding board. Um, a good example is, Back when I was at Nations Bank, we started the first SBDC, Small Business Development Center in the country in Nashville. And I used to teach classes on how to build a business plan. And so if, if you're involved in an institution and helping to train in you know, these businesses, then they're going to be friends for life. And even if you don't get their business, you're going to know them and have the shot at that business later on. The second piece is educating loan officers. And, and, you know, it takes a certain type of loan officer to really want to go work with small businesses. You want somebody with that, that really relishes that contact and, and, and like me, really has a respect for those business owners and what they're doing and the risk they're taking. But uh, I'm glad you're at the banking school because that's where it all starts, you know, teaching these lenders how to, how, to, how to learn from these businesses, how to understand what they're doing and their business model and their strategy and how it all ties together. That's something, so many lenders are just kind of real estate lenders these days, but to teach them the, the ins and outs of CNI, commercial finance, that's, that's a big step as well. And, and I think too, we're seeing uh, a lot of niche banks uh, you know, you, in, in North Carolina, Live Oak Bank uh, mm -hmm. has done a great job with, uh, I think, dentists and veterinarians across the country. Uh, and there are a lot of examples like that. And, and one we featured on episode number two, go back and listen to the podcast. It's really great. It's with Impressia Bank. Impressia Bank uh, is a division of CNB Bank, which is a $5 billion bank out in Pennsylvania. 
And what, what CNB re recognized was that there were so many women entrepreneurs in the marketplaces that they served that were being underserved that they wanted to target a particular bank to serve those women. And they have done a phenomenal job. And if impressiabank.bank, I believe, is their um, is their website. And go go check it out. It's it's well it's phenomenal. Well, you you've mentioned a couple of best practices, and I agree with you that it it really does begin and end in, with education. And one of the things that I think bankers are making a big mistake on is to still focus on this whole idea of relationship management. They need to be resource managers. They need to be providing proactive value so that they can be go-to uh, bankers. Because if they don't, these, these companies are just not going to survive. And many companies don't survive past three years. If you get to the three-year mark, it, it's likely you're going to make it. Mm -hmm. Something tragic happens which is exactly where I wanna go with this next question. Uh, one of the reasons that uh, small businesses fail is, uh, is lack of capital. Um, and you, you know um, that funding by community banks and large banks, not so much the credit unions, but funding for small business startups is a, is a real challenge. So juxtapose that against this large number of opportunities that they have. And I think people are kind of missing the boat here. What are you seeing out there in terms of banks um, financing startups? And what would you say to banks who say, I don't want to take on that niche? The ones that aren't, that don't want to take on the niche, I think they're missing a tremendous opportunity. And a lot of them don't do that because they don't feel like they have the expertise. But, you know, partner with somebody like us or somebody that has that can bring that expertise into your organization. Um, I think overall for startups, you know, there's there's a couple different types of startups. Some some have pretty strong guarantors and you can really rely on the guarantor in the early stages of that company. Others don't, but they might have a really good business plan and you can work with them to strengthen that plan and really take more of the, the SBA angle. That's why we did so much 7A lending at, at Nations Bank back in the day, because we had a wonderful SBA program. And, and like I said, in Tennessee and Kentucky, we would do about 150 SBA startups a year uh, back in the mid 90s and, and um, early 90s. And so we started out with that 7A loan, but guess what? If they're hitting their target after about 18 months, it was like clockwork. They came to us looking for a revolving line of credit secured by receivables, inventory, the kitchen sink, anything they had because they needed cash to continue growing. Like you said, a lot of them will grow themselves out right out of business in the, in the first five years. Cash flow is a big issue, capital is a big issue. And so it, I, I think it really is, you know, you pretty much have to tie the guarantor, you know, everything is so closely interrelated in a small business between the guarantor financials, the partner financials, other family investors, and then the, the company itself. So all that's kind of tied together as you do your analysis. But as they grow, they, the, the company kind of separates from the guarantor and it kind of stands on its own. And I think that's something that lenders come to understand as they as they do more and more of these small businesses. Yeah. And and you mentioned that that real estate, uh, if, if real estate is is it is there, then they have the bank has some collateral to to work with. But a lot of times there isn't real estate, so another option might be asset based lending. 
And uh, this is where Lendivative comes in. Why are you seeing community banks be so reluctant to get into this powerful niche? Most of the time when we talk to an organization, uh, a community bank, they will have a handful of what they call, you know, what we would call working capital or borrowing based lines. Um, a lot of them don't refer to it as asset based lending. They associate that with lines that are five main and up. But whatever you call it, it's secured by receivables, inventory, working capital assets. A lot of them have shied away from doing more of that business because they don't feel like they have the in-house expertise to do so. And some because they don't feel like they have the tools to do so. As you know, there's some pretty good ABL softwares out there, but it's so expensive that banks don't get into that market until the lines get up to four or five million dollars and larger. And that, that's where the niche that Lendivative was trying to identify, did identify and, and develop the tool for really those lines from, from the point, Jack, where you're, you're no longer relying on the guarantor, probably $150,000 to $200,000, smaller lines, on up to $5 million. That's our space. And that's where the technology was missing. And, and rightly so, banks didn't feel comfortable because they're sitting there using Excel spreadsheets to manage the collateral on these lines of credit. And every institution we've talked to so far, from 100 million in assets to 220 billion in assets is using Excel spreadsheets for this particular market. And uh, so that was the niche, you know, but there, there's a couple of, there's a couple of really important secrets that a lot of bankers don't know about asset-based lines. One is that you're going to know more about that business client than anybody else in your organization because you see the daily cash flow of that organization. So it makes it a lot easier to do things like equipment financing, rolling stock, inventory, real estate down the road because you understand that business intimately. And, um, and the other is that, guess what? When you do receivables financing, the deposits right along and banks are looking for deposits and this is a great deposit generator. And I think you and I have talked about this before. If a bank is willing to get more involved in asset-based lending, they do get to know the client really well, and they also get to know their centers of influence really well, including their CPAs. So if I'm a, a if I'm a small business and I go to my CPA and I say, "Hey, XYZ Bank has really helped me with with this new thing that they're talking about, this asset-based lending," that could open up tons of opportunities, Pat. And I'm sure you're seeing your clients benefit from that. Exactly. And a lot of our business clients will give their CPA access to the system because they they assist as well. So they'll be able to see how the line is performing. And uh, but we, you know, back in the Jack Henry days, we actually used to uh, provide CPE credit for the CPAs. We would go out and we would take it one step further and go talk to a group of CPAs or an entire firm and talk to them about asset based financing and how it could work within the financial institution and, and the partnership with businesses. That's powerful. So now I'm interested. I'm a bank and I'm interested. Um, and we get together and we form a partnership. Walk me through how you get started with an organization. Walk me through your process. The first thing is that we want to gain a strong understanding of your current processes and workflows. And again, as I mentioned, most of these institutions are using Excel, which is a very disjointed process. Basically with Excel, let's say you have 50, 40 or 50 lines of credit or maybe even 10 or 15 lines of credit and you've got five different lenders performing these managing these lines if you've got excel you've got five different methods of managing a line of credit it's just it's disjointed and inconsistent 
the regulators are looking for consistency and they you know, they want to see that all the data is under one roof and that's what our product BB360 does. It, it brings all that together so that there's oversight, everybody in the financial institution from the lender and the business owner, by the way, they see it as well to their CPA, all the way up the chain of command in the financial institution, compliance, risk management, C-suite, even board for larger facilities. Everybody has the access into the system and can see exactly how the portfolio is performing. Um, so to do that, basically it, it takes us about two hours to train a lender on how to use our interface. It takes us about 20 minutes to train a business owner how to use the interface. And from there, we're bringing the, the business's accounting data into the system. And, and the onboarding process for financial institutions is very quick. Uh, we can onboard a, a bank or credit union in less than a week and train their personnel. We've got all the training materials and, and we also have marketing materials that are outfacing to the business owner that they can utilize. They can put their own logo on it and brand it. So it's really an effort between the technology side, the credit risk side and the marketing side. We bring all that together in our implementation phase. And of course, Lang works very closely with these institutions as well. And uh, once they're onboarded, we just start identifying first their existing client base. And like you say, the, the other resources like the CPAs, the, uh, the re potential referral sources. And then working with companies like RELPRO and Vertical IQ, we will uh, help identify, you know, let's say you, you want to work with, you want to identify businesses that, that don't have a lot of real estate. So look at trucking companies, look at staffing firms. Both of them are heavily intensive and receivables. They're going to need financing, but they don't have a lot of hard assets to secure it with. So they're good candidates for this. So let's pull RELPRO and find a list of all the trucking companies in your area that could use this sort of financing. And by the way, who do they bank with today? And are their UCC liens outstanding? Same thing for staffing. And uh, that's that's where we start to build the market from there. How exciting. And I, what, what I really love about this is it's it's a tool, and we're going to get into the technology and the dashboard in a second. It's It's a tool that can help the inside of the bank, the risk, the compliance, and all that, and really make the bank more efficient, taking the Excel spreadsheet out of the mix. But you also bring in this whole idea around the sales process and bringing in prospecting opportunities and very targeting uh, in terms of industries. That's what makes your company so complete and so vital in our industry. But I, but I alluded very briefly to uh, reporting and dashboards. I've seen it, and I'm sure since I've seen it, you've even improved it more. Describe the dashboard and the reporting that I would get if I'm a bank or a small business or the CPA. Yeah, the dashboard is key because we, when we built the product, which again is called BB360, a stands for barring base and a 360 degree view, um, we built it so that basically the entire site would be a report. You know, you can print any page on the website, but we start at the dashboard level for the financial institution just to review the entire portfolio. Things like loan line utilization, industry concentrations, business concentrations, and so forth. And of course, all the training material that the bank needs is, is on the site as well. Um, but there, from there, it's drill down technology. So they can drill into a specific 
institution. Everything's color coordinated. If there's something going on, the light turns red. If it's an approved barring base, it turns green. If a new file comes in, it turns yellow. So there's all kinds of indicators there for the, whether you're a lender, a portfolio manager, an admin person at the financial institution, or your compliance, uh, you can get in there as well. And then you drill down to not just the barring base itself and the overall values of the collateral. You can go another step deeper and get to the invoice level. Because at the bottom, at the end of the day on receivables, your, your repayment source is not your business. It's your business's client. That's who's going to pay the receivable. And that's going to pay, that's going to revolve the line. So we're bringing in all that information as well. And that's where we did and we did integrate with with folks like Vertical IQ to understand industry risk. We integrated with a, another wonderful company out of Minneapolis called Argos Risk, and they bring in data on the account debtors. They can give us a daily risk score on the account debtors and tell us how they're paying other folks that they owe money to. So that it's very deep, although it's easy to use. It's very it's a very intuitive site. That's why it doesn't take us long to train bankers how to use it. Um, and then, of course, you know, the I'd say the secret sauce is that it, it the business sees all that same information. They utilize the site to send their accounting data in, but they have read only access to the entire site. And there's a communication center resident within the site where they can email their lender. They can make a draw request. They can if maybe they maybe every quarter they're supposed to send a new P&L. They can do that through the site and it can be archived in a document archive. So while it's easy to use and intuitive, it goes pretty deep, you know, for this form of financing. Uh, a lot of information in there. And, and believe me, I've seen it. And immediately when you look at it, intuitively, you can know, okay, this is working. This is not working. I need to pay some attention here. Um, and again, I'm sure it's become much more dynamic even since I've seen it. But I got a problem. Uh, my uh, administrator who is uh, working with me has uh, decided to move to Florida or uh, they've been promoted to a new position. There's always going to be turnover, Pat. How do you address that now? That's something we sort of, I certainly learned that very well during my, my years at Jack Henry and uh, working with, with banks of all sizes and credit unions of all sizes. One thing is just always have a backup administrator trained because there is going to be one person that is the primary go-to person for the technology within the bank. And so we want to have a backup assigned for that person that we've trained them as well. Never have just one admin, you know, have a, have a backup. But one thing that we do is we, we provide ongoing training throughout through to, you know, we're always going to be letting existing bank employees know what's new in the market. Who are the new prospects? What's new in the technology? Things like that. But we also, we don't charge to train additional employees. So if you have a new lender that's just joined from another institution or you have a new admin person or somebody goes on long-term leave and you need to bring in somebody, like I said, it only takes us a couple hours to train a person on how to use this interface. So it's, you know, we'd much rather have them trained because that's better for Lendivative as well as for the financial institution. And by the way, it's better for the business client also. So we'd much rather have them trained. And that's not something that we charge for. Once we once we onboard the financial institution, get them trained, that, that subsequent training is just something that we're willing to do. And, and I want to make a distinction here. Uh, this is a software 
Mm-hmm. It's not a typical software company. There are many software companies who sell you a box of stuff, you open it, and it's plug and play, allegedly, and you go forward and you never hear from the company again until the renewal. This is a very different company. The, Lendovative is a relationship company. So what you're hearing today is, yes, they have this dynamic software, BB360, but they also stay with the client. They also stay with the bank or the credit union to stay on top of things like turnover and, and, and things like that, which leads me to my second to last question. Um, how do you all stay on top of things like new technologies, um, banking laws, policies, things like that, so that you can be up to speed on what's going on in the industry? We're fortunate in that the team that's been assembled includes a board member who's, who works, who owns an organization that specializes in, in bank compliance and regulatory. So we have a, a stand-up meeting with him every week and, and uh, work with his organization to, to do that. So from that standpoint, from a regulatory standpoint, and for ourselves in terms of vendor compliance and all the hoops we have to jump through as a vendor, we're ready to go, you know, and, and working with these financial institutions and make sure of that. On the technology front, uh, Brian Hyde, who I mentioned earlier, he's been working with financial technology since 1990, uh, he and his wife, Linda. So there, it's a pleasure and an honor to have them as part of our organization because they're always thinking of what we need to think about, what we need to do next. And more importantly, he's tied us in with Microsoft. We're an Azure shop. We're, clo- we're hosted in the Azure Cloud Services Network. All the data remains in the United States. So from a security standpoint, from vendor my- management standpoint, and then anything new coming out with Microsoft and the Azure platforms and how it's going to impact our product, we have stand-up meetings with Microsoft every month. Uh, we're part of their incubator program. And uh, which has been a wonderful experience because when we, we we run through a lot of data, even in our even when we were doing beta testing of the system, we were burning through a lot of data. So they we kind of caught their attention and uh, and they took us under their under their wing. And, and uh, it's been a, a great relationship between us and Microsoft. Wonderful. Well, you you are the kind of small business that we talked about earlier in the program. You had a tremendous idea. Uh, and yet it takes a lot of hard work for, and, and a lot of luck to take that idea and make it reality, which you, in fact, have done. And um, the level of client intimacy that you provide is very, very similar to our friends at RelPro and Vertical IQ. So congratulations on, uh, on all you've done. Uh, it's a marvelous program, and I'm sure it's going to be very, very, very successful. But I'm a bank or a credit union, and I've listened to this program, and I say, wow, you know, I think we're missing some opportunities here in the marketplace. I'd like to get a hold of Pat. Um, How do I find out about BB360? Where can I get a demo and find out about it? And how can I reach out to you, Pat? Because I'd like to talk to you personally. Sure. Well, to reach out to me, it's very simple. It's just pat at lendivative.com. You can also go to our website where we have an info at lendivative.com and you can hit that and, and uh, request a demo. It's just lendivative.com, www.lendivative.com. And we've just uh, launched our second generation website. So go check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, reach out to me and uh, also on LinkedIn. We've got, a, we've got a LinkedIn page. I'm publishing content about every week. 
just new information about the business market. It's not all about Lindavave and our products. It's more about what you, like you said, from the article I posted last week, what's going on in small business in the United States, things like that. So I encourage you to join that page to get updates on what we're doing within Lindavave. Well, Pat, congratulations on all you've done and, uh, and, and Paul and Lang and your team. Uh, it's a marvelous product and I hope banks at and credit unions at least check it out. Thanks for joining us, Pat. Thank you, Jack. It's been an honor and uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the past year and uh, it's wonderful to, to talk to you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Jack Rants with Modern Bankers with my guest, Pat True. This and every program is brought to you by our friends at RELPRO and Vertical IQ. Join us next time for more special guests bringing you marketing, sales, and leadership insights, as well as ideas that will provide your bank or credit union that competitive edge you need to succeed. This LinkedIn Live show is also a podcast. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Jack Rants with Modern Bankers and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and several others. Don't forget, visit our website at themodernbanker.com for more information and sign up for that public library, themodernbanker.com slash public library. Lots of great resources there. And as I say to you at the end of every program, make today and every day a great client day.